Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off-limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to episode 136 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne Steinel, joined by a pretty unbelievable panel of guests. Uh, my normal co-host, Connor Hurley, Ryan Jury from the Instigator Podcast, and, of course, none other than Sabres legend and current assistant coach for the Philadelphia Flyers. Or I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know why it's in Flyers. I don't know why it's in Flyers. It's because, of the, Blackhawks. It's because of the, the Legion of Doom. That's what you're The Legion of Doom. I got the Legion of Doom on my mind. That's what it is. You know, a guy who's got to be excited about what's to come for, for the Blackhawks. Uh, Sabres legend, Derek Plant. Derek, thanks for hopping on, bud. Absolutely. My pleasure. Did, did that uh, opening, the Old Empire Sports uh, opening, kind of bring back any memories there, bud? Yeah, for sure. I mean, all is good. I have such great memories of, of Buffalo and the broadcast and the broadcasters, of course. And uh, yeah, it brings a smile to my face every time. I'm glad, I'm glad, man. And, and obviously, I wish it was like happier times to have you on for a second time. The first time I was telling Hurls because he wasn't with the show back then was during COVID when we did that watch party with you, Razor, yeah. Barney, and Dixon uh, for, sure. to do the watch party of your infamous goal, Game 7. Yeah, right. Uh, it was, that was a, a lot day. of fun. Uh, yeah. I, you know, we had no hockey, and it was uh, a good time. Absolutely. And I, uh, I, I was telling Hurls, we actually stopped the ESPN two stream right before you scored your goal, so we could <laughs> listen to RJ's call. Um, but again, I mean, I got I, again. I wish we were here on better new, uh, better terms, but unfortunately, you know, you know, we we lost a great one this past week. But we're here to celebrate his life and celebrate his memory. And um, mm. again, I'm I'm, I'm Grateful you were able to come on with us. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. And uh, yeah, RJ, what a great person, great guy. Obviously, an iconic uh, announcer. So um, we lo- we lost a good one. We did. We did. Uh, I know Drury. Uh, you know, right after the news, it was like a really late at night uh, when the news. I know it hit you pretty hard. You being the play by play guy for the OHL, the Guelph Storm. Um, you know, up in up in Ontario, Canada, and uh, you know. You know, I, I'll let you talk about it. Uh, you know, I won't even, I wouldn't steal your thought. I'll let you talk about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be on with you guys again. Obviously, yeah, I wish it was under more fun circumstances, but it is a pleasure to be on here and offer our our eulogy, if you will, to a guy that we all love and a guy who you know touched all of our careers, uh, it, you know, in so many different ways. And I'm sure people are confused. You know, I got a bunch of capital stuff by me. Yeah, I'm a Caps fan, but. RJ was my guy. Like uh, I would not be broadcasting. I would not be a play-by-play guy today without having heard him for so many years. Um, yeah, he, he was my guy. I, I was, yeah, I was heartbroken. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, you get so attached to somebody and their personality and the way they do their job outside of just being a fan, you know, it, it, it's almost another level for me because I wanted to do his job. And so not only did I enjoy listening to him just as a hockey fan, um, I paid extra close attention 
to all the little things that he did and, and his inflection and the way that he carried and brought a broadcast to life. Uh, I don't know that off the top of my head, I could think of many more guys that are so synonymous with a franchise from up in the booth. I mean, from day one, he was literally part of the Sabres fabric and did it better than anybody in terms of local broadcasters for over 50 years. That's just a run that is unheard of. Nobody lasts for 50 years in broadcasting anymore. There's so much turnover, but RJ did. And he did because he embedded himself in the homes and living rooms of everybody in Eastern New York. Like the guy is such a legend. And I, you know, I said to you, Dwayne, you know, when it all went down, I don't think it would take you very long. If you watched any of the reels of my play-by-play in Guelph to know that RJ completely inspired my style. Uh, He, you know, some some play-by-play guys are a little more drawn back, a little more authoritative. Some are a little more reserved in their delivery. RJ was, it just felt like he was on 11 all the time. He was so excited to be broadcasting every second of Buffalo Sabres hockey that he did. And I, I took, you know, a page out of that. You know, I heard him in an interview once when someone asked him, you know, how he developed his style or why he calls games, called games the way he did. And it really struck me. He said, well, this is the most exciting sport on earth and I have the best seat in the house. How could I not be excited? And I just thought, wow, man. Yeah. And, and really it, it, what it said to me was be yourself, be yourself when you're behind the mic. And I don't think anybody could ever say that RJ was not 110% himself for every single game that he got behind the mic. And, um, you know, I said to you, Dwayne, like I straight up rip him off. Like, you know, yeah. there's so many iconic sayings that he has, you know, top shelf where mama hides the cookies. I heard him say that so much as a kid that, you know, you've seen the goal. I posted it last year when a, a kid named Sasha Pastajov, who's a Ducks prospect, was playing for the Storm. Everyone called him Pasta, and he scored a top-shelf overtime winner, and I said, where mom hides the ragu. I outright stole that from <laughs> RJ. I plagiarized it because I watch him, I've watched him so much that the little things that he does are so stuck in my brain. That's how impactful he was. It's one thing to say, and I think that's what's so special about the guy, everybody. Like, he's obviously so special to Buffalo, but the fact that he he crossed over, like he's an icon, an icon to so many broadcasters and the sports broadcasting world at large, and that's so rare. Teams love their their guy that does the home games, and and it's it's obviously a special relationship. But he seems to be one of those rare voices that transcended the market he was in, and you can just tell that by the response from around the NHL and from around hockey. What a what a special guy, um, and, and such a such a loss to to lose RJ. Yeah, I guess from my perspective, it's way more closer just to being a fan. Uh, I was a little young to experience your goal, Derek, in 1997. I was only about six years old, unfortunately. <laughs> so I didn't. I don't have a cognizant memory of that. But even hearing the call and the lead up to our show and all the other calls throughout his career, um, it gives you goosebumps. I was going through all of them in the past few days, and it brings tears to your eyes. You get caught up in the moment for how unique and how amazing he was. And I, the, the sentiment I've been seeing amongst the fans is that he felt like a grandparent. He felt like someone you knew without even knowing him. Uh, I myself have, have lost two grandparents this year and within the past two months, actually. And when RJ passed away the other night, it, it felt like another family member. That's how close he was to the fan base. And I guess my question for you, Derek, having spent six parts of six seasons with the Sabres, what was your relationship with RJ off the ice? Uh, What was the relationship RJ had with members of the team? I've heard 
different players, even closer to the, the present day, their relationship with him, like Jack Eichel even, um, and Sam Reinhart, and a lot of the guys more recently. What type of relationship did you have with him, and uh, what, what things can you say about him as the man, as the human being, not just the broadcaster? Yeah, I think he's a guy that, you know, that as iconic he was even back when I was playing, he was, uh, he always had time for you. Uh, you know, you catch him uh, before a bus or, you know, we didn't spend a ton of time in the bar or restaurant so much. Um, but, I, you know, I got to see him around the rink often and he always had time for me. And and it was fun to have a conversation with him because he got that, you know, he got so much wisdom in those guys that are like that. They have so many memories of so many great things. And you could, he just tells you about stuff that, you know, I was kind of a hockey nerd, too. So I'd ask him about the old guys in the past and, you know, they have a little story for him and, um you know, our, our relationship was good. I wouldn't say we were super tight, but we had a good relationship. And over, over a time period, it's just, uh, you know, just a guy that re, you could rely on that was around the team. That was a quality guy. And you have some frank conversations with him. You never had to hide or worry about that, you know, those kind of things going anywhere else. Uh, um, a trustworthy guy that was obviously had an amazing voice and a, an amazing pitch and the way he, he called the game was it's iconic. It's hard to believe. Like he was, you know, he, he did the games from the time I was born. I was born in 71 till, till now. It's, it's amazing how long his longevity and how, e you know, I don't want to say easy. It just came easy to him almost. It seemed easy. I should say, I don't know that it was easy. He put a lot of work in, he put a lot of time in to do things right, but it almost came easy to him. Just listening to him talk is, is effortless and, and fun to listen to. And, and I just think of how many guys, that have gone through there. I mean, I guess for Sabre fans and myself is this, that's how I think of the players is through his voice a lot of times and how the, you know, how you picture them is through his voice and the goals they scored. And, you know, obviously the easy one is la 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 Fontaine, but you just think of Patty that way. And like you yeah. said, some of the iconic, you know, when I talk to my kids and they, they you shoot on top shelf, or whatever it's mama hides the cookies and it's all his sayings that just get stuck in your brain. And those are, those become the, just part of your language and stuff. So he's had such an influence on, on so many players, but so many fans too. And I was just lucky enough to get to be around him, you know, more often than anybody else. And, you know, and I think anybody that was a player at some point was, you know, scoring a game seven overtime goal and you had this kind of in your head and you had the announcer going in the background. And, and for me, I, I think when he, he did it, um, it surpassed the one I had in the back of my mind uh, when I was a kid uh, to have him do it is like, wow. And you hear it and it's amazing. So, uh, I'm so blessed that way. Yeah. And I've always, I said, like, I went to school for communication studies myself. And number one reason why was because of Rick Janaret. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to, uh, you know, be him. I wanted to be in broadcasting for some way, shape or form. I was, a, you know, I was washed up hockey player. I was never going to make it, but the next best thing is to be a part of the game. And I was, very passionate and I don't think my passion for the Sabres or hockey would have been as deep without Rick Janaret because it's goal it's goal calls like yours. While like my dad had season tickets that opening year Marie back then Marie Midland Arena, um, you know, it was his calls and it's your goal your goal call, especially game seven OT on Ron Tugnut. Uh <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when he threw his arms over his head because it, the puck just trickled by and just the Legion of Doom. And I can't tell you the amount of times after that, just playing hockey in the driveway with my brother as a goalie or as a player, just I was scoring the Stanley Cup winning goal in RJ's voice, or I was making a huge glove save in RJ's voice. Like it was just, it, it always stuck with me. It was a part of me. As Drew said, it was a fabric of my fandom. And, you know, I, I have him to think as a big reason. Like, I don't think, Patty would have been as polarizing of a, of a favorite player to me without Rick Jenneret. Dominic Hasek wouldn't have been as pol as great as he was, the greatest of all yeah. time. He kind of bring he brings those guys to life a little bit. Yes, right? like exactly. just like, uh, it's just like painting a picture, and it just brings more life to it. And he was awesome yeah, at doing just, that. You know, and you see you see kind of people paying homage to Rick around the city, um, in the hockey world over this past week, you know, and I'll show a few pictures here in a minute, but like, that's the effect he had on all of us. You know, I always said, like I always said, 
you know, you're always going to lose alumni and players. Like we all go at some point, Mm -hmm. but I said, when Rick goes, that is going to be one of the most somber yet celebrated days in this franchise's history because of what he met, because through the good times, there were plenty of good times and the bad times. And there were plenty of those. Rick was always there to get you to tune in and watch. Like it didn't matter how bad the team was during the tank year. Uh, you know, before we drafted Eichel, like he still found ways to make games exciting. A, a, a team was put on the ice to intentionally lose. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. The team was built to lose, yet he mm-hmm. made games worth watching. The players are out there busting their ass. They don't want to lose. And I'll tell you right now, like they did work their asses off. They like they were as bad as that team was on paper they went out there and they worked their asses off and, you know, Rick brought them to life. And then, you know, I I remember hearing Alex Tuck, you know, say, you know, the one thing I want most is to hear Rick Jenneret call one of my goals. And I think his most iconic goal, um, you know, when Eichel returned to Buffalo for the first time, it was an empty (laughs) netter. Unfortunately that night, we were honoring Rick, and he wasn't calling the game. <laughs> Figures, huh? It was one of the most insane. Like it was a riot. It was on a horrible angle. He threw it at the net. He beat Eichel to the puck. He, he stripped Eichel the puck and then beat yeah. him to it and shot it in the empty net. And that <laughs> that place might have been as loud as when you scored your game seven goal because <laughs> it was like almost like it was almost like a turning of the page for us. Yeah, all the bullshit that we dealt with before you know, the previous management, everything. And we are celebrating as loud as we could for the first time in a long time. And of course, Rick wasn't there to call it because I think he was on his way down to the ice to take a team picture. It was just, it was, it was one of the, uh, I just, like like you said, Jerry, so synonymous with everything there is about the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of his magic, you know, when I, when I first started doing this, you know, early on, you're kind of trying to find your voice, find who you are behind the mic and a broad, a fellow broadcasting great who Rick was very close with the great Joe Bowen, who is the voice of Leafs nation uh, told me, you know, when you're doing games on the radio, you're literally having to paint the picture. It's a very different approach. You literally have to tell people where the action is, where the puck is at all times, what's happening, who has it, on television, you can be a little bit more, uh, you know, engaged. You're almost talking over the action because people can see it. They're they're tuned in. They're hearing you over top of the live images. And he said, when you're doing that, you have to elevate the action, you know, based on the excitement level and what's occurring. You know, you're not going to you're not going to be doing play by play the same way you are in the first five minutes of a game as you are in the last five minutes of a three two game with the net empty. Right. Like you're you're going to you have to ride the level and nobody was better at that than Rick. And I mean, like literally when games go to overtime, any time a game went to overtime, you know, I remember the first time my parents got NHL center ice. And any time that you saw that a Sabres game was going to overtime, it didn't even matter if your favorite team was on. We changed the channel because we knew that if the Sabres scored, RJ was going to go nuts with the iconic overtime. Nobody else called overtime winners. And Derek, you'd know better than most like RJ did it. Like he literally, he tagged his own way to call a type of goal. Th- like, how much more iconic does it get? It's like the Beatles writing pop songs. Like, it, he, he is that important, in my opinion, to hockey broadcasting. And, man, when there was a big occasion on Sabres Ice, there was nobody else you wanted to call that moment. And, you know... Obviously, for me, having, you know, my cousin be the captain of the team for a couple of years, I was tuned into a lot of Sabres games, you know, and I said to you guys, you know, in the text thread the other day, like when cousin Chris scored that goal against the Rangers and he was roaring, Chris, Drury, like that, 
my hairs are standing up my arms right now. Like I, that's so magical to me to have him screaming, you know, my relative's name. And, and in that kind of a moment, those are the things that stick out for you on such a personal level. And what's amazing about him is there's a thousand different stories like mine from Derek to you guys watching to other players. And, you know, I remember, you know, my first year in Guelph, one of the kids' moms came up to me after a game and I wasn't really expecting this and said, Hey, like, you know, I just want to say thanks for, you know, the way you, you call our son's goals. It was a kid who doesn't score very often, you know? And, and I was like, what? Like, really? And then I, you know, I, it kind of hit me like, wow, you know, that's, that's what we bring to the table as play by play guys. There's going to be guys that score huge goals that that might be the biggest goal they ever score in their career. And I feel, and I know RJ did too, you know, a responsibility to bring the heat and make that moment stand out because that kid's family is going to play that for years and years. He's going to show his grandkids that Derek, you're going to, I'm you show your kids that yeah. clip of you and it stands out so much and is so much more special because of the way it was called and the guy who was doing it. And I think that's RJ in a nutshell right there. Nobody did it better than him. Yeah. You can see Absolutely. right here too. Uh, Absolutely. you know, my sister grabbed this picture at the fair last night, Erie County fair. That's incredible. Uh, you know, this guy, uh, it, somebody commented it, Randy Rodham's son. So Randy Rodham's son, thank you for painting your derby car like this <laughs> last second. As you can see, it says overtime, overtime in Rick's classic fashion, RIP, RJ, la, 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 Fontana. I'm not sure what the other side of the car says. I'm sure there's another saying, though, like to, to everything we just spoke about. Like this is the type of effect this guy had on the city of Buffalo. And you, you see all this stuff, that, you know, all these different things that you see. And I'll, and I'll bring it up uh, here again momentarily, the, the, the memorial outside of the arena for, for RJ, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And I just, I, it just, it's, it's unbelievable. Just the effect he had on this city. And like I said, I'll play a few of his goal calls here momentarily, but Derek, but you know, we're always told, um, you know, we're always here that players, you know, at the end of a game after, you know, after, you know, whether it was a win or loss, they would go and try and watch the replay of the game because they wanted to hear Rick call their goal. <laughs> was that true? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. You'd run back in the room and try to get a rewind on it if you could. <laughs> Not as easy. Now it's a lot easier. You can rewind any game, I think, and just catch the call again at the end. And, you know, I caught myself even the last few years uh, trying to watch Sabre games, even when they weren't as good, just to, to hear Rick talk. And it just gives it brings that familiarity to my like, oh, yeah, it's almost like a second home. Right. And, <laughs> listening to him. I had Al Shaver was a name when I was growing up uh, with the North stars was a big name in Minnesota uh, who was kind of iconic at the time. And then there's Rick Jenneret for me as you know, the two personal ones. Uh, and I, you know, I was good friends with Pete Weber also, who also did a great job. And when he was in Buffalo, so I had a good relationship with those guys. And, and uh, again, it's just amazing and sad to, to lose him. Um, but just think of how many people he's touched. Uh, both as a human and just, uh, you know, over the years. Amazing. I, um, I remember, like, this might be, I don't know if this is an appropriate or appropriate story, but the first time I ever met Rick, it was intermission, and I was just walking to the bathroom, and he was just getting done. Uh, and he looks <laughs> at me, and I was in awe. I was like, oh, my God, it's Rick Chanaret. I might have been, like, 11, 12 years old. He looks me dead in the eyes. He goes, don't ever get old, kid. And he just walked out. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, no idea what it took from that, but he just walked Like, that was great. <laughs> he's like, he's an underrated, like, super funny guy. Like, I was yeah. going to mention, like, as Jury knows, like, the importance of your relationship with your color guy is 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 paramount uh, in broadcast. Oh. And he had so many different color guys over the years. I think we can all uh, harken back to Jim Lorenz and how good he was in his own role. Uh, breaking down the game. And I think he's been appreciated recently how good he he was as a color guy. But even with a guy like Rob Ray, who didn't have any experience in broadcasting at all. And I think we can all joke that Rob Ray isn't the sharpest tool in the shed. And I think Rick Jenner kind of got on him a lot about that specifically. <laughs> and their relationship that they had together over the years 
the funny little moments, the jabs that he took at him. We all talk about chirping in hockey all the time, but having probably never played the game at a high level, like RJ was specifically very good at that. Like he would jab at Rob Ray all the time. And it was so funny. And I think Dan Dunleavy is, is taking a little bit of that in his relationship with Rob Ray now. Um, Derek, I guess I was wondering, aside from your own goal, of course, do you have, before we play some famous Rick Jenner calls, do you have another Rick call that I, there's so many to choose from, but is there one, Jeez. like maybe your, your playing days, your six seasons with the Sabres, or even another one that you constantly remember that you could pick out as your favorite Argent call? Boy, I don't know. I think, yeah. I mean, the, the Patty one, just because it was, you know, I, I think I was there when, it, and the Brad May one was the year before I got there and May Day, May Day was awesome. Um, some of the Hashik calls, I, I don't know if I can specifically take out one, just, I think the overall thing is you're just getting such a quality and just his voice in general is what I kind of, you know, cue into is just, he had that special voice or different voice in the way he called it. And um, it just sticks in my brain. So it, it seems like whatever, even when I talk to him or, you know, when I go to a golf outing, when I talk to him after a while, it's like, oh, that voice is just so, I don't know, just grabs you. And I think that's what I think of most when I think of Rick. Yeah. And I, uh, I'm going to pull up a few of his goal calls here. I got a, I got a bunch of them lined up, but obviously some of the more memorable ones that we've probably been listening to over and over again, uh, you know, over the past week, but uh, some of our favorites, uh, if you guys give me a moment here to share my screen, um, we'll start off with my favorite all time and, you know, you know, not, not, not to, uh, put our guest on a pedestal, but here we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you're making that up. Yeah. Talking about chirps. Agree. Just from watching that play, I was trying to I was trying to break it down from a from a hockey <laughs> maybe maybe not RJ related. But what was your thought? What was your thought process going through that play? Did you just get over the line and were you just trying to throw it on net? Yeah. And just hope that you get a bad bounce, or did you specifically have a plan in mind of where you wanted to go, or were you just throwing it on net? No, I for sure was just getting it on net. I don't know. It might even. I mean, it was amazing. I've never felt. And. uh just trying to rip it on net, trying to shoot it right by the guy's ankles. I think that was Duchesne, I think, when oh, yeah, he was back there. More of an offensive guy, so I wasn't thinking he was probably going to block it, but yeah, just trying to throw that, it through, shoot it through a, a goal, screen. As a goalie, when it when it gets through that six or seven hole and just trickles through, it's the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. So having a screen like that and cutting across the middle and just starting on that sometimes is one of the hardest plays to yeah. handle as a goalie. So. Yeah, right. you, know, you know how it is too connor like when you get overtime sometimes you're you're willing more willing to shoot than you are not shoot just because you never know which one's going to go in and yeah. nobody wants to make a mistake so i don't know that i was necessarily picking top corner but i was just trying to get it on net and totally. enough steam we don't we don't see overtime much myself or connor anymore it usually just goes right to a shootout in men's league yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. i actually had uh a couple weeks ago we had a 14 round shootout. I let the first one in and stopped everyone after that. Uh, probably. And I, 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 I touted this last and I, I, I will, I, I will brag about this save my entire life. I made possibly the best like hashic wheelbarrow roll glove save stacking the pads I ever made in my life. And like one of the things I thought of that was like, fuck man, that was like thinking about RJ in my head, like he would have been losing his damn mind. <laughs> but uh, one um, your thought, you know, your thoughts on the play of Steve Shields in that, in that series, just because he, he came obviously like a guy stepping into Hashik's shoes after the injury, like, you know, he really showed up and stepped up for that team. He's a friend of the program too. He's been on with us a bunch of times. Great guy. But, uh, you know, your thoughts on his play in that series. Yeah. And of course, how many beers were consumed after that game? Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, Quite honestly, there wasn't as many goal, many beers as you might think. I think everybody was so gassed by then. I know we're gonna play in a couple of days. That I mean, there's a few in the locker room, but I think literally it was more like, oh, holy cow, we did it. We were excited. Um, maybe some guys had more than others, but it wasn't like a big party night. It was uh, more like we're totally gassed and so much. I don't. There was just so much enthusiasm in that locker room. I don't know if it was because we were so a bunch of younger guys. Because um, we, I went through some other 
ones with older guys and it wasn't quite the enthusiasm. I don't, you know, it was only the first round really, but I think it was just because there was a little bit of turnover, you know, LaFontaine and Howard, Chuck, and some of those guys in McGillney weren't there anymore. Um, but the turnover and the fact that we won without those guys a little bit, there's a bunch of young guys. It was just so much youthful enthusiasm in that, in that everybody kind of went crazy. So um, it was obviously a fun event. Um, Shieldsy. Shieldsy was great. I don't know that Shieldsy was your typical, like when you watch him go, well, that he's awesome, but he was such a competitor and he yeah. just found a way to stop pucks, you know, like a little bit like Dom wasn't, you know, a little bit unorthodox, but super, super athletic and just like, like Gumby, he was amazing. Right. So he was yeah. a little bit the opposite where he was a little bit awkward sometimes. Uh, just a bigger goalie that just didn't, you, you look like you could score on him with any shot at some point. And he would just, he just a battle fight compete and he you know he had a good job he did a job at michigan too where i think they won a national title and he's just a winner he gets because he is so competing like you know when you're forward whatever you call him a hockey player but he was a hockey player that played played goal where he just competed or found a way to make the saves and i think everybody had trust in him just because they knew how hard he was going to work and he's going to give you everything he had and and he, he was good enough to to make saves and um it was true in that series for sure uh, the next video I'll pull up is what took place in the very next series. The infamous, uh, you're talking about Steve Shields, the Steve Shields Garth Snow fight. <laughs> uh, you, you gotta love that call. Oh boy. You're on the ice, too, bud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that. I was good at picking up gloves. <laughs> yeah, we had some uh, we had some real good battles with the Flyers. Well, I don't know if There's a couple other videos out there. They all seem to be with the Flyers. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so fun. Boogie man. There's some tough guys on the ice there. I think all the reason they're doing for nothing either. You got nope. the he was a tough man. You don't see too many of these in the playoffs anymore. No. I was going to say, just watching this compared to current day, it's so crazy. <laughs> The ice was Look at the linesman. Let's let him go, bud. Oh, probably four or five good rights. Add his helmet. I don't know what his right fist felt like after that Look at Preems. Preems is giving it to him on the bench there. I mean, even the way RJ called the fight was. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, he said it sounds like a boxing announcement. He had a lot of practice. I think by uh, my third year, second year, 96, that year, I don't think we made the playoffs, but I think we had, we had three guys in the top four in uh, penalty minutes. I think they all had over 300 minutes. And, of course, everything just went to pieces from there. We had some guys that weren't afraid to get involved. Look at Derek in there, huh? Oh, yeah. Hey, if I see that, I pick anybody he's tough. He's fairly tough. That's why I ran out of the way there after. <laughs> this must be kind of bad. I was out there with Maisie and Ray. Oh my god. Gets six foot five, Holy cow. She's always there for the teammates, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I uh it's funny too. Like Barnaby wasn't even on the ice for that either. No, you I know? don't like. I'm, I'm not sure if he was injured or if he was scratched or he was on the bench, but no, like he, he was out there. Uh, he was out there, I'm sure. Oh my not god! Not on that team, but he was. He was in the bench, I'm sure, just going. Oh nuts. yeah, could you imagine there. if he was out there too? No uh, yeah, just so many, so many great, so many great goal calls, and um, another one too. Uh, again, I just don't. I don't want to take up too much of your time here, Derek. I pre again, I appreciate you coming on. But another one we mentioned: Sabers and Flyers. Uh, Barnaby versus Garth Snow. <laughs> yeah, I think it's that one where he kind of taps him on the shoulder, and he also yeah, oh yeah, 
Jesus, Jesus guy gives him a tap. Barnaby's kind of selling it as much as he can. Yeah, yeah. He me, that what you is know? it with Sabres forwards or players trying to fight goalies? Was it Andrew I, Peters trying to fight Ray Emery? What, what is that's, it's a mismatch. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Right? Well, I oh. mean, the thing with Gar Snow is we had those guys a lot, and there was like there's a lot of banter back and forth with Snow. So that's really why you know the Snow thing happened both that year and the other year. Yeah, I think that's Snow too. <laughs> back to back years. And Toski, that's a good tough man too. <laughs> I'm out there in a pile again. That was totally part of Barnaby's act right there. That was so great. Oh, yeah. He's just selling it, man. He's There's nothing wrong with him, I don't think. You know? He's just trying to stir the pot whenever he can. He's great at that. So fun. <laughs> Rod the bot in there. Oh man. Are you out there for this one, Derek? Oh, there he is. There you go. He's in there. <laughs> Had to pick the right partner. That's all. That's right. You're such an instigator, Derek. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the instigator right there. Jim Pizza Telly there. <laughs> Oh, Unbelievable. Crusty. <laughs> <laughs> just throwing under crust. Oh, my God. What would happen now if they did that? That's I mean, nuts. people would be. Oh, my God. There'd the be 40 game suspensions. No kidding. Just another night. Of and Snow. God. Snow gets back on his feet, and now he comes over. He wants up to the <laughs> so great. Oh, that's awesome. Like Rick is, Rick is I know Rick's every single fight on the ice. He's calling one over by the board. He's calling the goalie fight. Like, it's honestly incredible. Yeah, he's not. He's taking no time off. He's all in it. Brad May. <laughs> Brad May was so tough. Oh, Respect to Barnaby hanging in there with Rod the Bot, eh? Oh, I know. My God. Well, Garth had the first, he was like one of the first ones to wear the shoulder things on there. Yep. They brought up got so a lot of trouble. Too much controversy. Yeah, that, I mean, that was part of why this all was going. Guys would chirp him all the time, and I think he brought him out against the Sabres, so. Yeah, that's yeah. that part of the that part of the problem is his shoulder pads. <laughs> Kinda looked like he had a coat hanger under there. Somehow. But yeah. Um just it's just so uh, it was to happen. Derek's out there for all the instigating, all the fighting. How to hang out. <laughs> I was good at picking up gloves. That that one year is I had Brad May out there a lot and 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 uh and Barney. I picked up a lot of gloves. They both had like three hundred pims that year. So Jesus, man, that's not. How about RJ during that whole thing, too? A, eh? I don't think he stopped talking once. No, like he sounded like an auctioneer. <laughs> yeah, it's right. just yeah. unbelievable and, to and, be and, able. And that continued throughout his career too. Like, in, I guess it was two thousand six oh. or two thousand seven. The the Ottawa Senators fight with uh, that's an all timer. With Chris, that Neal, one Ray was Emery, unreal. Peters. That was another line brawl, and that was probably the last line brawl that the Sabers had, but. That's one that I remember vividly, and everyone in my generation always calls back to. If I mean, we don't have to bring that one up, but like that is five or six straight minutes of just action, and he's calling every single moment. He's all in, yeah. Amazing. I think that this game has the record for most penalty minutes handed out in one game. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, it looks like they all went, they all went out there with that purpose. Look at them all. Oh, well, they, they sent out Adam Bear, Andrew Peters, and I forget who else. But the next shift, Lynn, uh, just sent out all of his enforcers. Oh my gosh. You want to talk a mismatch between goalies, Ray Emery and Marty Brown? Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. And Ray Emery is about as big as a, big my, as a favorite, my favorite part of this is Ray is just pumping him, or Emery's just pumping him. And then at one point, Marty just trips him and takes him down, and RJ sells it like crazy. And down! Right here. We're Rob Emery. Emery's just laughing because he's like fighting your little brother. He's a tough boy, man. Ray Emery. He's like a he's like a WWE WWE announcer at this point. That's what I feel. Absolutely. Look at the excitement he's listening or listen to the excitement he's bringing. Awesome. As the officials are critical, Ray Emery's got a smile on his face the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> his heyday. <laughs> that was Coletta's, I think, first NHL game, I want to say. No way. If it, it, it wasn't his first, it was like one of his first. <laughs> Picked a big fella. <laughs> look, at, look at Ray's face. Look at Ray's face. <laughs> Razor probably wants to get involved, eh? <laughs> yeah, but he's got all his, he's got his shirt and jacket on. He's got to take it off. Get involved. <laughs> well, when the coaches go after each other. Lindy and Brian Murray, man. God rest him. Brian Murray, he was such a beauty. <laughs> oh my god, magic. Uh, Unreal. That's great. I can't repeat it. Oh, that was great. That was just fantastic. <laughs> just like the look on, on, on Ray's face, a guy who has literally been um Literally been in NFL taught me. He beat the shit out of a fan in Quebec. Was it in Quebec? <laughs> yeah. The guy yeah, popped over the boards. Could... Oh yeah. my god! Uh, like a guy who's literally fought a fan before. And that one of my favorite parts about that thing was in the post game interview. They're interviewing Ray Full Mullet, and he's like, "Oh yeah, we're watching this guy. He's gonna jump over the boards. Like, oh, what's he gonna do?" And he like he's like, "So I grabbed the hole and I just kind of roughed him. I'm like, you just rough him up, dude. You put him put him in the hospital." <laughs> He must have threw like twenty direct hits to this guy's face and head. <laughs> He's like, oh, I just kind of, kind of put him, put him in his place. <laughs> yeah, he, he planted did. ten or twenty like right on top of his dome. Like, yeah. <laughs> so oh, that was great. Um, oh man. But yeah, just again another iconic call that Rick Janeret just made better. Um, and yeah, we we mentioned before Dominic Kashik, uh in all of his you know unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, saves but they were made so much better because of rick janaret um and just to play one or two here just uh, one a couple of my favorites and then again we'll get you out of here derek i appreciate your time man i really oh, really do this is great it's <laughs> good to go down memory lane i love it I, it's so much fun there and obviously rick was a big part of that so yeah this is fun great so here we go here we go Well, uh, yeah, and, and Hashik had so many of those too. So missed him and just threw his pads out. Unbelievable and save! Right, Look at Yager. I'm glad I'm not out there for all these ones. Here's Chris Crocker on the line, two-on-one break. I don't care about these. Bay, right stop by a sprawling Hashik doing snow angels. Well, not all the of these are in RJ calls. Yeah, his voice sticks out. He was lying on his stomach, oh, wow. and he kicked his leg forward and made the stop. Unbelievable. Hashik, <laughs> 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 
Listen to him. Working about Hofra. He fakes. He waits. Nope. Saved by Hatchet. Oh, he did it again. I thought that was goal, Sam. Oh, give me a break. That's impossible. That's a spectacular, oh. incredible, fantastic, creative save. <laughs> I, I, I chose my, I didn't choose the wrong one, but there was one that had, for the most part, just uh, Kashik saves on it. And Rick's calls? Yeah, of all okay. Rick's calls. But uh, let, me see, let me see if I can find it real quick. But, yeah, just, uh, again, he made guys' careers, not careers, but moments so much more meaningful and um, just memorable. Let me see here real quick. Uh, let me see if I can bring one second. Uh, just he, he really made uh captured a moment like you said, Drury, and made it, you know, here we go, here we go. Uh <laughs> made it more meaningful, made it just more captivating. And the way he painted pictures with his words. I remember watching uh during the October storm here in Buffalo. I had to listen by radio and candlelight to a Sabres. It was in Detroit and went to a shootout with, with Ryan Miller and I mean, no guy could have, you know, did play by pay better to paint a picture for us. So, like, we felt we were actually watching the game than Rick Jennerett. And I sat there and I listened to it. And I believe Buffalo won either 3 2 or 4 3 in a shootout when we're all caved in our houses, you know, no electricity for almost two weeks. My dad's got all our food and garbage bags outside, buried in the snow to keep it cold. Like, it was, it was one of the worst weeks ever. But that one moment, those couple hours with RJ, I'll never forget it. So I just, uh, um, one moment here, here we go. So I'll, uh, pull up this one right here. Sorry again, guys, it's giving me a few problems. Here we go. Now this is before he was a Buffalo. He and everything the Penguins are throwing at him. They loaded up the big truck. They run by and Hatsik said, I'm not this time either. Power play now. Up the ice. What the heck? These guys not know what. Makes the save on Perjohn when he's down on his hands and knees again. Oh, I can't believe that puck never went in the net. How in the world did he stop that? The left hand stopped it. Remarkable goaltending. How can you equal that? Fired in over the line. Here's how it's done. Oh, man, Shaq. Oh, what an unbelievable save. Dominic actually tried to stick Jack. Missed. Oh, he did it. Uh, give me a break. That's impossible. He did a rollover save. That's right. And you know, these are like none of these are RJ. It's unbelievable. Eric, for years, I thought this save was on you because he's it's flat, but I thought he was saying plants. Oh, Clat, yeah. Yeah, I thought he was seeing you. I was like, I didn't know Derek Clant ended up playing for the Tigers. <laughs> I would say that's that's arguably Hashik's best save. In my arguably, opinion. yes. That's the, that's the save I think of when I think of Dominic Hashik. That one? Dropping his stick, yes. putting his blocker out in full-out yeah. desperation. That's the that's the save I think of when I think of Dominic Hashik, to be honest. Yeah, and then the last actual goal call we'll play here is his infamous Mayday. Um you know, we can't not sign off without playing that. <laughs> um, obviously, the one that everyone remembers the most, I remember they did a uh, I did it a bracket for RJ's best calls in this one, one in a landslide. Uh, I think it actually went head to head with uh, your yours, actually, Derek. Wow. So uh, when they did that, cool. RJ's best calls in Buffalo. They got it right. They're all good. Yeah, you can't end off without hearing Mayday. It's it's the one, right? Like everybody everybody remembers that one and 
I I love sure. the story he told when they honored him that night when Tuck scored that empty netter and they were playing, you know, the video up on the big board and everything. And people people probably asked him about that goal ten thousand times. And uh <laughs> I love, you know, because he he told the story in the video. It's kind of funny, like somebody asked me, you know. Did you plan that? Did you plan that call? And I said, planned it. He, he hadn't scored in 19 games. Like, it's just like you, you can't. And I found this out slowly as you, you know, you do more games and you get to witness cool moments and great, great goals, unbelievable goals. You, you can't plan that stuff because hockey's just so fast. Like, Maybe baseball, like baseball, where there's a lot of anticipation. You're waiting for a pitch and may maybe you have time to think, boy, if Bonds comes up and drills this, what am I going to say? You like you can't even consider that in hockey because it's just so fast. And that's the magic of RJ, too. Like he, the stuff he came up with off right off the top of the dome in the moment was next level good. And. And that's more, I guess, what I mean when I say I, I, I pilfer his style, or really, I'm just inspired by his style. He, he always had like a funny tag or just a really funny saying that would stick out. Top shelf where Mama hides the cookies. Oh, brother, we're not worthy. The population of Pominville. That was one of my favorites. I fell yeah. down off the couch laughing yeah, when he did one. that. Jason yeah. Jason Pominville scored an overtime goal. I want to say it was against Carolina. And he said, the population of Pominville has increased by one. I okay. fell down laughing. I was like, that's what I love hockey for right there and broadcasting. Yep. He had so many memorable sayings that he would come up with on the spot. And mm -hmm. that, to me is what I try and emulate and why he's such an inspiration yeah. to me and so many other broadcasters. Cause his, just his quick wit to say something so funny and so impactful that would last forever. Uh, Derek, your goal. Uh, are you ready? Legion of doom? Like oh, dude, yeah, are right. you kidding me, man? <laughs> That's on here. Come Maybe. the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, makes your hair stand up. Right. I still have I still have a VHS tape somewhere in my house. I know I have it. Uh, it was it was called Season Headline, and it was after the ninety six ninety seven season, you know. And Rick Jenner narrated the whole thing, obviously ending with your goal, Derek, and just some of the NHL awards and different ceremonies and stuff like that. But uh, just like he could just tell a story, he could just like. And I always said, I always said, if 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 Rick didn't do play by play for hockey he would have been in wrestling. Because <laughs> totally. We always had good old JR, but here right. in Buffalo, we had good old RJ. And I couldn't imagine listening to Rick Jenneret call a, a Stone Cold Stunner on The Undertaker at a WrestleMania. <laughs> you know what I mean? It would have been unbelievable. It would have been unbelievable. Yeah. The only guy in the world that probably could have outdone JR in wrestling. It would have been <laughs> So creative, yeah. Yep. That would have been great. But Yeah, he had that unique tonality. He had like a timbre to his voice. That's just so recognizable, let alone to have that, the gift of his voice, and then to be able to have that that quick-wittedness. Another underrated one, too, that I saw someone post the other day that always made me laugh was, uh, was when I can't remember who scored the goal, but it was against New Jersey in the playoffs, and someone scored. Uh, it was a Buffalo home game, and he goes, this series is going back to where Jimmy Hoffa is. <laughs> yeah. I heard yeah, that 70 one. Save, Seventy saves. I have stuff like that, and just to think to say that in the moment, right? Because consider, consider how quickly you have to a call the goal. You got to call the goal correctly. You gotta, you gotta pinpoint who scored it, and then you have to consider in about two seconds. This is against New Jersey, and think of that Jimmy Hoffa reference. Like yeah, that Hannon's is goal, all happening in his yeah, Dave Hannon's goal at yeah. an incredible speed, and yeah. like he was just the best at it. 
Lost on Kane's final goal of the odds. For watching this game against Hartford. Plant here, of course, on the ice again. Proof I played. I love that. Holy, look at how young he looks. Beautiful oh, play nice. by Buffalo all the way around. It was Zipnik who lugged the puck into the zone. Burry to mix the play at the Burridge. top of the screen. And LaFontaine <laughs> throws it in. Number 40, and the Sabres jump ahead by 2-1. to one. This is a great play by Burry. He's looking all the way for LaFontaine. Okay. Beat the defenseman, Gerald Dittick, and then made the pass. 40 goal. Unreal. Very cool. Um, that's awesome. Tis the season. Tis the season. It is tis the season. <laughs> Here we are um, getting going. Yeah, I just I I, I yell. The Sabers again, are, I, yeah, the Sabers are. They're on, they're tracking the right way. They're going to be good this year. They're yeah, fun to watch. Actually, I wanted your uh, sure. opinion on that too. I know, obviously, I know your 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 obviously your focus is on Chicago and Connor Bedard. Uh, yeah. you know that's uh, how exciting that is to go from the teams that you've had in the past. You know, led by Patty Kane and Jonathan Teus and just some of the, you know, unbelievable players that Chicago has had over the last decade or decade more. Now you're getting ready to be led into the future by arguably people believe to be the next Connor McDavid and Connor Bedard. Yeah, this is super exciting. I think Chicago's all excited. I know our coaching staff super excited. Uh, you know, without putting too much pressure on this this young man, it's uh it's pretty exciting. So I think, you know, half our battle will be taking some of that pressure off and let him succeed like we uh, mm -hmm. we all believe that he can. Exciting. Absolutely. Uh, just only because you guys brought it up, and I can't believe I forgot to play this goal. I I, I get a I get a really, really uh, <laughs> you know I just I really get excited for this stuff because this is my childhood, and I keep apologizing, but I have to play this call now. I I just have to. One big goal, Dave Hannon. Uh, this is the Jimmy Hoffa one I think you're talking about. Oh, you talk about Amazing. 1994 in the old ad against Martin Brodeur and New Jersey Devils, yeah? When I look back and I've watched the tape a few times, it was just back and forth, goaltending, Brodeur, Dominic. Yeah, it was, yep. It was great. Like, that was my rookie year. year. 70 saves on me. Zero, zero. Martin Brodeur. You know, I know. Great friend. Yeah, for sure. He came in and said, listen, would someone score a goal, please? Because I'm going to have to pay my babysitter about 120 You know, we used to have leather skates, so everybody skates, and everything was just so wet, and just seemed like all we did is walking back and forth to the locker room and back. Nobody wanted to make a mistake, so nobody's even attacking or hydrating all the time. I remember the players being sick in the dressing room because they hadn't eaten since before the game. It's not like we had what we had today. All these protein bars and energy shakes and stuff, and the staff wasn't as big. I remember after second or third overtime, I asked for the piece of bread, so pizza. You know, you're a hockey player. You got to bear down. You know, you got to go until the game ends. And the main focus was to win game six and get to game seven. Fourth overtime, Dave Hennett, back and shot, top shell. Martin Brodeur, he jumped there right above his glove into the net. So you are so happy. I'm still looking for Jimmy Hoff. That was one of his best. There it is. Yes. <laughs> that one popped out. I don't know where it came from. It was a great moment, obviously, when you score 10 or 15 goals a year. It's nice to get one big one. Broder was an absolute awesome goaltender, and that was a tough series. And to bury that goal, it was, it was the most euphoric feeling. It wasn't only a relief for me. It was a relief for everyone in the building. When you do <laughs> yeah, score no those kidding. goals, you don't know how to react, and you don't know what to do. But it sure is one of my best memories ever. Visit the Blue Cross Blue Shield Fearless Family Zone on game day. Oh, that's awesome. Oh yeah. What a great memory. That's that was one. such a long game. That's the one. <laughs> I feel like it went on forever. And we'll we'll end things here too on um I mean there's so many more goals the the fog game and you know we've been going for about an hour now but uh I think it's only appropriate to end uh end on 
uh, RJ's final uh, sign off when he signed off for his final game. Uh, very memorable quote. Uh, he mentioned, he, you know, I don't often quote the Bible, but he did in this. And it, I thought it was so appropriate and uh, an appropriate way to end this uh, episode 136. You know, us paying homage to uh, Rick Jenneret. So I'll pull it right here. To everybody on the crew here, everybody we worked with all year to put these games on each and every night. Thank you to everybody for a lot of hard work. RJ? Thank you, Robert John. And uh, I, I just, I, I have some thank yous left over too. The other night uh, on April the 1st on RJ night, I didn't get to everybody because of time constraints. And one of the things that I do want to mention is more thank yous. It'll make them brief. I'd like to thank Joe Pinter, our producer, uh, who's in my ear all game long, all season long. I wear the headset, and he keeps talking me through it all. And he has learned the hard way that I am a very selective listener. Also to our boss, Chris Ann Bellis. I want to say thank you very kindly. And she's not a boss. She's more like a den mother. But I can tell you one thing, she's a den mother to the point that we are probably the happiest workplace you've ever seen. It's just, it's a wonderful thing. And I thank you kindly. And Cassan's got some medical issues right at the moment. And we're all in your corner, Cassan. I can guarantee you that. And also, I want to thank my left-hand lady here, Shaney, and my right-hand man, Rick. Um, they've been with me for a long time. And we've had some tough times in this booth for one reason or another. But they do put on a great show and they help me to one game after another. I don't want to sound this like a, like a eulogy, but uh, it's more of a celebration, really. Time passes for everyone. Eyesight fails, as does reaction timing. With me, it works like the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever quoted the Bible. Thanks for traveling around with me on this road for the last half century. All of you, thank you very kindly. It's been a hell of a ride. It's fitting. You can barely get the headset off. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So fitting. <laughs> yeah, I'm sad, really. Uh, man. I mean, even that clip there, huh? Have you ever seen this clip? Yeah, I think I watched it live, actually. Okay. I think I. Yeah, I thought it. Not, no. You know, just the, yeah, just yeah, it sucks. No appropriate way to end this. And again, Derek, thank you for so much for hopping on with us. Um, My pleasure, for sure. It's. Uh, you know, always a pleasure to, you know, go down memory lane and uh, relive some of the great moments in Sabres history. But in this case, uh, reliving some of the greatest moments in RJ's history and celebrating him and his life and the career he had and how he touched all of us and, you know, made not just, you know, our fandom, but our lives better. And uh, I couldn't thank you enough for uh, sharing this time with us, Derek. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. And so, nice to catch up with you guys. Appreciate and, it, Derek. And, and of course, hopefully, uh, I know there was a comment earlier, this lights a fire under this team this year, and I hope it does. You know, you know, I'm sure, yeah. you know, that arena is going to be rocking game one at the home opener. Uh, it's it's going to be wild. I forget who they're playing. Uh, Rangers. The Rangers, yes. Um, you know, and you got to imagine emotions are going to be high. There's going to be a lot said and done for Rick Jenner at that night, and, you know, hopefully, you know, you know, that burns a fire in this team that, uh, you know, we can finally break this playoff drought. And of course, to you, Derek, good luck on your upcoming season. There's a lot Thank of you. eyes on Chicago once again uh, yeah. Yeah, to the next the next generational talent in Connor Bedard. Um, and, you know, again, good luck to you. And thank you again. Sabres yeah, Blackhawks. Sure. Sabres Blackhawks Cup Final. That'd be great. Let's go. Uh, this year, next year, for sure. Right yeah. on. I like it. I like. All right, guys. This this has been episode Thanks, 136 guys. of Two Goalies, One Mike with Derek Plant uh, signing off. Thank you, RJ. Thank you, everybody, for watching, and we'll talk to you next week.
Hey everybody, this is Dwayne from Two Goalies One Mike, a show where we give you a behind the mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now you might be thinking, hey Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we bring in coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwreckSports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have faults. He had the same amount of faults as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.